Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Giant Pod with me, Andy Rintmore. My guest this week is multi-instrumentalist and blues rock legend, Pete Gage. We talk about his time filling the big boots of Lee Brillo from the infamous Dr. Feelgood. We talk about his relationship with Wilco Johnson. We talk about his new poetry book. We hear excerpts from his new poetry book. We talk about his uh, lifelong passion of poetry, introspection, vulnerability. We talk about the anxieties of then sharing those poems with the world and leaving yourself open to interpretation and criticism. We talk about sobriety. We talk about helping others find sobriety. Uh, I was really, really, really into this episode. Me and Pete had a fantastic conversation. Um, I got very, very curious. Things went very, very deep. And I just want to thank Pete for being so open and honest with everything I chucked at him. Uh, this episode he was really really was a dream guest we talk about all kinds of things in this i think you guys are really going to enjoy it um i can't say enough to to give this episode justice so i'm going to stop here and just tell you to enjoy the episode here it is okay it's all good but i've got it on here yeah and yeah well i'll tell you about it when you start asking me questions about the poems okay well we're we're, i mean we don't generally go like oh we're on aren't we like because no we we just kind of blend into it because (laughs) we found that psychologically when someone goes okay three two your people go (laughs) and it's like here we are in like media mode um and uh i'm the only one who's allowed to do that no (laughs) um but yeah we tend to just blend into it but uh yeah so i tell you i tell you what i was i was in um ex-mayor anita collier's um summer house yeah last week last week yeah with um, with Stephen, her I lovely know. partner, Steve, Steve Potts. Yeah, shout out Steve Potts. I do love that man. Um, yeah, and um, we were having a we were having a drink as per with Anita, and um, she was telling me that she'd been to see your. She was at your book launch for your poetry. Yeah, she was. Yeah, and they just she lent me her glasses because I'd forgotten that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on. Um, and she was telling me that. Um, She's just raving about your poems. Was she? And I said, well, I, I kind of know Pete a bit. Like, I've got Pete on Facebook, and I sort of remember mm. seeing you sometimes when I walk to work yeah. and say hello and that. But we yeah. never really had... And I know that you've had stuff going on in your life, like really interesting bits and pieces. Yeah. And I was like, said to her, but I've never actually really sat down and no, no, had a conversation no. with Pete about what he's been up yeah. to and stuff. Yeah. And so she was like, oh, we got his book, here it is. And they were both <laughs> raving about it. Yeah. And she said that at one point, you know, she was, she was moved to tears by some of your yeah, poetry know, she said to me yeah and um and Stephen said it was it was totally beautiful yeah and, and um and that it, at some points you found you were finding it emotional to recite I did it. when I recited I actually cracked up when I was reading one of them right I forget which one but it was more I cracked up more not about the content right but the fact that I was revealing something in it deep right uh, and people were listening Oh, because I I feel that with the poetry, yeah, it's a psychological. It's a it's a kind of a to, to recite my own poems. It's like a psychological cathartic thing. Yes, where it, it kind of um, 
you know, it really does stir up emotions, especially if I'm talking. It could be about emotional things like my my relationship with my mother, mm. but it could be anything. Right. And if I feel someone's listening and I've just hit it, something happens in my brain yeah. or my heart, which kind of like sparks me off. And I did crack up on one. But that was quite effective, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, I think that's what people, people want, People like right? that. Yeah, always oh, human. Yeah. yeah, but also, like, <laughs> people like to, to, to see that the thing that this person has created and has probably lived with for an amount of time oh, yeah. can still touch them. So it's, you know, when you, if you go and see someone playing a song and you know they've played it for, you know, the entire tour or yeah. every tour since the 80s or something, and yeah. they say, I'm going to try and make it through this song. <laughs> you know what I mean? But every time I play it, I get a little emotional. Yeah. It's, just, it's like, there's something about that yeah. then, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, it makes yeah. you think, wow, yeah. wow, what is... What is it, yeah. What is in this? That's Something's still not resolved in the usually the singers um or the the, the express most expressive one in the in the group or whatever yeah there's something within that person which is unresolved i always feel right that they haven't quite come to terms with whatever thing it's digging into in their in their psyche or their uh, in their heart really yeah. yeah and i think that's what happens with me i've got quite a few unresolved issues right. which i kind of can live with I can live with unresolved issues, with, right. you know, but I, I think um, it's it's all very well saying, "Oh, I'm I'm perfect," but nobody is. Nobody yeah. nobody does resolve all their issues with, for instance, their parents. Mm. You know, there's always something. Yeah, and and I think that's that's a really interesting point because many times people will write these songs as a form of catharsis of, of, mm. of, of therapy to explore. Um, to explore the issue or the trauma or, or, or whatever the, the wound is mm. or the pain. Um, and hope, I guess they're always hoping that that will sort of put it to bed a bit. In a way, yeah, it, I suppose. It, that, that, yeah, they might not be thinking that, but they might might be. Right. But then there's also this thing is that I don't think people talk about this enough, is that I think people expect things to go away. Mm. But I think probably more often than not in conversations mm. throughout this podcast and other podcasts I've heard, yeah, yeah. when we talk to people that uh, are very open about things yeah, like that, yeah. is that actually it's not, it's not healing that, that they find. It's reconciliation of some yeah. degree, isn't it? It's yeah. that I've learned to make this as comfortable as it can be. Yeah, it's part of my life now. And, I, I, you know, I know that... We all have some losses, mm. either of people or of of um, loss of value. People, mm. people can devalue us in our journey, and we can lose some sort of strength from that. And we lose we lose something, and we have to live with that. I don't mm. know if you know what I'm saying, but yeah. I, I just about know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but I find that um, I can now, I can now only now. At quite an elderly age, can say I'm all right with that. I'm all right because I've got nothing else to prove. I don't think. Right. What does it, that feel except like? Except that I've got. <laughs> yeah. How does it feel? Except that I've got nothing else to prove. That's the only thing I've got to prove. Right. That I've got nothing else to prove. Right. Well, it feels amazing. It, it feels absolutely liberating, and that's 
that's taken a long time, you know. Right. From when I became conscious at the age of sort of two. It's a blessing and a curse, isn't it, <laughs> consciousness, self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's the, it's the, I hate to use that word, the journey. It's so kind of cliche now. But, yeah. but the, the, you know, the way you have been, the way, you, the way you've come from, um, it's, it's, it's your life, it's you, you know, and it's accepting that. And, and you know, if I was self-conscious about this or that, one thing I was never self-conscious about was singing. Right. I just kind of was able to do that. Because I got a lot of approval from my parents. I believe this is why. Right. My parents kind of liked me standing up in front of them in the living room with a hairbrush, you know, <laughs> and singing away like a Ray Charles song or something. Yeah. Or miming to a Ray Charles song or something. Um, and I felt comfortable doing that right from an early age. Yeah. I used to do the same. I remember yeah. doing... I remember I, when I was a kid, I was so obsessed with... Um, Jim Carrey, yeah. I'm so obsessed with Ace Ventura, right? Right, so yeah. My grandparents are around. Films. <laughs> They're great. And I remember I, I acted out like a one-man show. Yeah. The entire first twenty minutes of Ace Ventura, right. word for word. Did you action for action? Because I was just so obsessed with it. Jeez, yeah. That's, um, well, yeah. My, my similar thing was the inflections of Ray Charles's vocal line. I really right. did imitate him. I right. kind of, you know, it was almost kind of like mimicking, mimicking him. But that's what we do, isn't it? it mm. Is as in our earliest musical journeys oh, or yeah, endeavours, yeah. is that we end up. I don't know if there's anyone that's just original from the beginning. Oh no, I don't think so. Because no. there's nothing new under the sun, is nothing, there? Nothing. No. No. And. I don't know of anyone's story. We come to realise that much later, of course, I think. Right. You know, that there's nothing new and that, and then you, that makes the path clear, you know. Ah. I can pull from that and I can pull from that if I want to. Yeah. It's my choice because these are my influences and these are what the people who made me, Muddy Waters, this, that and the other. Mm. Yeah, I heard a, a, great, mm. a great expression that I sometimes use. Which and it came from one of my lecturers at, when I was studying music at college, mm. which was talent borrows, genius steals. Okay. And I always thought that it should be the other way around, that genius yeah. borrows a bit and yeah. creates something okay. new and incredible. And talent. And, and that talent just steals. But yeah. I guess what they're saying is that the genius is, is the cherry picking yeah. of the great bits yeah. and bringing them together in something culture defining yeah. or, or or something that brings yeah. about a sort of a sea change in music or a, or a moment um because yeah there is like we said there is nothing new under the sun is there no i, I don't think it's, i'm just thinking about you know there's various ways of expressing oneself in artistic terms um uh, you know a lot of people fall into music um it's kind of you know you can do it you can do what you like or you can choose what direction you want to go what you can choose your influences and it's all yours when you when you create especially as a young person mm. and um I, I just feel that that when when you're doing that you're um you you got to have some ability which i would might call talent mm. to, to to express what you what's going on for you do you know what i mean yeah isn't that talent yeah and 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 i think it it takes us 
It is talent, but it also it reflects uh, an emotional maturity or intelligence and maybe a little bit of an old soul, maybe. Mm. I'm not really sure where, where I fall on that sort of stuff, mm. but I like the expression of an old soul mm. and the concept of it. And I do think that that sort of applies to many people. But It comes from previous lives kind well, of thing. Maybe not, maybe not that, but in, in that some people just seem to have a very sort of mature wise air about them I guess mm, and then mm. you wonder sometimes when you meet these people like where does that come from because you're still quite young yeah. and it's come from somewhere but it, I think that like being able to 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 realize what it is that you're feeling yeah um and then bring it out of yourself into something very expressive and, and elo- eloquent mm, and beautiful mm. does require some some great emotional intelligence or some great sort of self-awareness I think yeah for for me it was it's always been um it's not that i might have a feeling and oh, i want to get a feeling out it was kind of it was sort of a spontaneous thing i was doing and then right. i realized afterwards that's me expressing myself i'm exhausted uh, from doing that right or not exhausted but i, I feel i feel i've revealed myself right. you know yeah opened myself to others um, made myself vulnerable, in fact. Yes, you know. And do you feel like you've 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 given you've given a part of yourself away to that audience? Yeah, and that you've sort of almost right. depleted yourself spiritually a little bit. Yeah, and that you have to sort of recuperate a little bit. Yeah, but you learn tricks as you're doing it. I think, um, kind of, you get to know what people respond to, and you go and you kind of lay it on a bit with the little tricks of. I'll, I'll just kind of do this, and then I'll wink at someone, or I'll laugh, I'll smile a lot, or something. Yeah. Or, or, or I'll find a way through through to to um, to make people like me, so they'll listen to more. Right. If you know what I mean? It's pathetic, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's that... all charm and charisma, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And you know, there's a lot of charm and charisma, which is um, premeditated, I, I think, or practiced. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some people have a natural. A really rare natural yeah. magnetism to them, like but a lot of people, like a lot of great artists or celebrities, movie stars, these kinds of people. They say when you're in a room with them, yeah, really something about uh, them, they're just different. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. you get other people, and it's almost like they're playing by the handbook of what's yeah. what's charisma. But some people yeah. have that special something that I hate to say X factor, but some people mm, just got mm, something where you're like, mm. I don't know what it is about you. Yeah, but some you got something. Yeah, here. yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. Well, I've had some people say that to me, and I've had to be very careful of my ego mm. taking some coming up, puffing its chest, as mm-hmm. it were, and interfering with my my natural with the path ahead. Yeah, exactly. My my, my natural way, sort of thing. Yeah. I had that um, when when I announced the. Um, I talked about this in the podcast with James Lavers actually. Um, it, when I announced that I'd become the mayor, I had this really great picture of me on the steps in a leather jacket and hat and the, and the chains mm. on, and it's mm. a very nice picture. Um, obviously posed, and mm. it was in the in the chamber ready to go for that announcement. I didn't just pick one; it was you know it was I yeah, set out to yeah. make that announcement with that picture and uh, yeah. have a nice little press release for it and everything. 
the reaction to that was so wild and so massive. Oh, people loved the picture. Loved the picture. Yeah. They loved the idea of it. Yeah. The shares on shares yeah. on, on social media. And it's just like, I don't know how many likes. I don't know what reach it yes, had. Yes. It was crazy. It went absolutely mad. And they got to a point where, you know, there was people saying like really lovely things about me who I don't really know. People from outside of Froome. Yeah. And, yeah. and then yeah. other people in Froome who are like, I think there's there's a lot of people that feel like they really know me mm. through what they see of me online or what yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah. But I don't get to know them because they not they're not living okay. their life as publicly as I yeah. do. Yeah. So it's very odd when people say, like, "Oh, this dude, he's just a, he's just the best guy, man," and you think, yeah. "I don't know you." Yeah. Like I can't remember last night I saw you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, I just bumped into you in the street well, once. Fine. That's know? interesting. And it's yeah. odd. And and then there's it got to a point where I was looking at this picture and all these likes racking up on it, and I had to I had to dissociate myself okay, from the yeah. guy in that picture yeah, because yeah. it was just so much. Yeah. And it was really lovely, but I had to be like, no, because you had to stand back a bit, yeah. Because you don't want that. You you can't be like, uh huh, uh-huh. yeah, I'm the, you know. Well, it yeah. takes a bit of that, otherwise you wouldn't go for these. I have things. to be honest. I was a bit like that when I was with the feel goods. Right. I I was kind of like, oh, you're the you're the man for the job. They said, you know, mm. the, the lads in the band themselves, and the manager, and I, it went to my head a bit. Right. And I had to be pulled aside at one point. Just be a bit careful because I would, when we would go to a club or something and I'd go for a drink or a meal somewhere, come back to do the gig, a doorman would sort of say, oh, got a ticket or something, you know. Yeah. I'd say, oh, I'm, in the, I'm in the band, mate. You I know. can swear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can swear. Fucking band, get yeah, away. That's right. <laughs> and that was out of order. That was right. bad news for the, the business of the band. It was like, oh, he's all right. I ain't got that Right. Band. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I learned that uh, quite quickly. Yeah. And then I just thought, yeah, let me be the nice person I think I am mm. and not all this stuff. And it worked. It kind of worked a bit better. But there's a bit of, there has to be a bit of that in us, though, to even get on stage. Well, you can do that on stage, yeah. 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 But there has to be a bit of ego. There has to be a bit of ego here. Like, why the hell would I think um, in any sane mind that people care about what I have to say to in conversation with other people? Yeah. So it takes a, a base level, I guess, of some kind of ego to mm. even, to put yourself out there, to get on stage, to assume that what, what you play, people want to hear and that, yeah. and that they need to hear it. Because it, it, there's a part of it which is inherently egocentric. Well, what, what I'm experiencing with you with, as we're talking mm. is I, I kind of came here... And I said to my girlfriend, I said, I'm going for a, an, I'm going to have an interview. <laughs> and it's not an interview at no. all, it's a conversation. Yeah. And there's quite a lot of you in it, which is refreshingly nice. It's, not uh, too much for me, I No, think. No, but there's, there's kind of like an exchange of things. Mm. Um, and yeah, but I, yeah, but I, it's not running away with you, you know. It's not, no. Your ego's not running away with you. It's just, yeah, we do it because we want to do it, but we want to express ourselves. Yeah. We have a need to express ourselves. Yeah. You, you sound like you have a need to express yourself and be in a position where you can be heard, mm. you know, like, for example, as a mayor. Mm. And I, I feel I've done as much as I need to do in my life with, having, with getting heard because I, sh- I make quite a noise when I'm on stage. Yeah. And, and uh, I feel I've done that. <laughs> but also the, the other side of the coin with, with with that, I think that is interesting that you did you did get a bit carried away with the whole rock star thing. Mm. 
is do you think that there was a part of you that was maybe a little insecure that felt that, oh, this is what I need to be? Is there maybe a part of you that felt that you had a bit of imposter syndrome maybe and you're like, oh, should I really be here? And so you felt that you had to fulfill this this role that you're stepping into some big, bigger shoes. I know shoes. what you mean. It wasn't actually, it wasn't like that. It right. was, it was, I, I, I kind of left the business early on in life. I'm in my twenties. <clears throat> I, I, I left the professional side of things in my early twenties because I, my first wife and I had kids right. and I wanted to do the best I could. It, it fell flat i still have my girls they're still there yeah but um i wanted to be a good father yeah or something like that i was driven to do that and i thought i can't do it if i'm going to be you know doing things taking things and drinking too much and acting out and staying in clubs and all the rest of it i can't do that so i i kind of um focused as much as i could on the family and when the feel-good thing came along, because I was now, I had my own band, and when the feel-good thing came up, they phoned me. Right. And I went, uh, yeah, well, well, what's it all about? What's, what's, what's the money going to be like and where are we going to travel and all that? Yeah. And he said, well, we are Dr. Feelgood. And I went, oh, whoa. <laughs> give whoa, me, I'll give have me a, that. <laughs> give me a bit of, like, a brief history on Dr. Feelgood, because I have, I have one of those albums on yeah. vinyl, I think. Well, so it's, a, it's quite a it's a legendary band. Isn't yeah, it? it's a legendary band. It's a kind of a cult band, right? Um, but it started off with uh, the enigmatic Wilco Johnson in the band, oh, I know who everybody band. has heard of now. Mm. Um, but he was a dynamic guitarist with a very distinctive style. And Lee Brillo, the singer in the band, it was only a four-piece band. One, two, three, four. Mm. And Brillo didn't um, actually play an instrument. He was just a very dynamic singer right and those two were they did clash yeah right this they, happens doesn't it yeah fans? they clashed a lot in fact and uh wilco would say it's his band and then well i think that's how the story goes I'm, right. I'm not actually quote quoting him but i think that was a bit like it was and brillo and the others didn't like that attitude and they kind of eased him out, I think, I think. Right. But if I spoke to Wilco about it, he'd say, no, I left because they're all cunts. <laughs> <laughs> Classic rock and roll but, story, but that. that they were, he was only with them for, well, he was with them at the start of the band, right. the whole growth of the band. But in, they, they made two very distinctive albums. One was called Down by the Jetty mm. and one was called Malpractice. And then they made a live album called Stupidity which was went to the top of the LP charts right. back in the day, in 77 or something. And then Wilco left. And then they pulled in Jippy Mayo, who's a, a brilliant guitarist, mm. with less of a kind of a distinctive kind of thing, yeah. but, but a very, very good guitarist, who I became great friends with, by the way, um, later on. But uh, Brillo died in... Um, 94, and they were looking for singing quite quickly, and they just heard about me through um, a drummer who was on the scene in The Hoax. You know The Hoax? I don't know. Blues. Not sure. It's all blues bands. Right. And um, and I just got the job that way. So I was in, I came in late, really, but 
you know, once Brillo passed away, my own opinion is that it was the end of Dr. Feelgood in the true sense of... Right. It was Brillo's band, really, for many years after Wilco left. It's interesting that that you think that because you, you so you you fronted the band. I did front yeah. the band. Yeah, it was a hard uh, job. To, right. Well, it wasn't hard for me. But my ego. <laughs> <laughs> Here he is. My, my ego took me <laughs> well, into it. That was hard for me, actually. <laughs> not the great Pete Gage. <laughs> um, I know. Did you not feel the pressure to sort of fill some shoes, or were you like, "Now nah, we're going to redefine I, this"? I wrote a song about filling uh, big boots to fill. Right. But I didn't. I didn't play it i didn't uh, use it in any way um i did feel the pressure yeah i i was i was there wasn't actually i imagined the pressure right so i went to gigs in i remember going somewhere in oslo and i thought somebody in the crowd before we even started went where's wilco johnson you know with a norwegian accent and i said um he's at home with his feet up watching telly or something and uh, there was a bit of there was a bit of animosity coming because right. because I wasn't a guitarist I was a vocalist yeah um, it was a bit of an ignorant thing to say because Lee Brillo had died and the band was going to go on yeah and and the big message was Lee Brillo wanted it to go on he said to Kevin the, who was now the kind of driving force of the band drummer um, I'll make sure the band goes on. Mm. And then Lee died. And uh, so that's what they lived by. They went went with that. Because and... Wilco had a... There was a thing, wasn't there, with Wilco? When, is this right? He, he got cancer a few years yes. back. Yes. Right? Oh, sorry, I shouldn't smile. He did get cancer. <laughs> he got cancer a few years back. Of and the, the, of the uh, pancreas, which most people die of. Right. Well, he, he was given a prognosis, wasn't he? It was a bad one, yeah. I think. Yeah. And he booked a whole tour, didn't he? A farewell tour. Yeah, yeah he did. And um, and there was this whole thing I remember where there was ticket scalping, yeah, for for the show in Bristol, yeah, one yeah, of the venues in Bristol. Yeah. And I remember there being this whole, like it was like an ethical faux pas. Yeah. Oh, how dare you buy these tickets to the you know he's dying and yeah, was profiting it? I off didn't of know that. Uh, I didn't know that. you know. And I get it. Obviously, I totally yeah. I agree. That's a bit bit, bit of a scum yeah. move. And then he got bad, didn't he? But he was he he, he had. He, he had enormous growth on his right. belly. It was not pleasant. Right. Um, so he was seriously ill. Yeah. Somehow he recovered. I, I believe that in that business, on the road, week in, week out, all, well, for nine months a year, then you get summer months, a sort of, you know, a mad period of festivals, etc. Mm. You you become thick-skinned, and I think you become hardened to the, the road, mm. uh, which is what he... I believe that saw him through. It's my personal. Thing. I think he's a road dog. Yeah, well, he is. Yeah, yeah. I like. I like that. I like that idea. That yeah, and he I mean, he comes from Canvey Island, where they're all very kind of down to earth, tough guys. You know, right? Where is Canvey Island? That's just um, well, the nearest place, big place, would be South End. So it's Essex. Oh, okay. It's Canvey Island is is, is um, known for quite a lot of artists. Alison Moyet. The guy who recently died from Talk Talk. I don't know his name there. But anyway, um, load of them. Eddie and the Hot Rods, Dr. Feelgood, a few others. Yeah. And has Wilco ever joined you on stage? Do you, do no, 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 no. And you, no. Are, you guys, are you guys cool? Not bad. 
Not bad. Really? <laughs> this is interesting. So you never shared a stage? He, he, no, they, they do now. They, we do right. now. Lee Brillo died, and then that was in 94. Yeah. And um, for 21 years, yeah. there was a, memori- a Lee Brillo memorial gig where everybody, all the feel-good people would join. And there was quite a lot of, there's always been a lot of, movement with dr feelgood right. people in and out of the band rotating lineups that sort of thing yeah. yeah i mean there's no one original in the band now it's just um you know tribute band well not quite <laughs> <laughs> um the they've drum, all done their time at some yeah, point yes yeah, a long time some but right. it's been going since 75 you know right. 70 before that okay so you've never shared a stage with wilco no but but you're all right with them. We, we're all right. So there's yeah. a story we in this. Nod. We nod. We nod. There's a story in here somewhere. Yeah, it's, I think he, I think that I don't know. I just don't know. I, I got to be a bit careful what I say. I don't want I don't want to put him down in any way. But right. I think he didn't really he didn't really warm to Jippy Mayo, the guitarist that followed him. Right. He was very hurt by what he thinks happened to uh, him because he didn't choose to leave yeah he f- that's right i kind of yeah i can understand well, it was that. it was an arg- it was quite a quite a battle between so i hear i wasn't around i was i was being a father somewhere right yeah and uh yeah so it was not it was not the easiest of relationships now things have got a bit better there was a film made on that oil city confidential Oh. Canby Island is where they do a lot of refining. Uh, there's big oil refineries there, and so and it's called Oil City. Oh, <laughs> and um, Oil City Confidential was about Wilco's journey in Doctor Feelgood and since, because he was part of um, uh, Ian Jury's Blockheads, wasn't he as well? I didn't yeah, know that. He was yeah. I didn't know that. I know that After I've seen the Feelgoods. Him. Yeah, he went there. Okay, not a bad jump. That's pretty damn not, good. Not, not, um, oh, he's a star, no doubt yeah. about it. And he's a genuine kind of original. Right. So he is one of these guys who's got that natural... That, Absolutely, yeah. That charisma. Yeah, definitely. I've definitely. seen him play guitar and he's very... Yeah, he's, very, um, yeah, he's got a... He, he, yeah, he struts up and down like a sort of tiger. Right. <laughs> yeah, he loves it, doesn't he? Yeah, and he kind of... It's a Tommy gun, you know. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he and he plays it like a Tommy gun. It's a. You know, Do you think like he that. took that from Pete Townsend or? I think it must have been a, a few all, things. They're all doing. They're all trying to get a well, yeah. signature move, yeah. weren't they, back in yeah. the day? So you got Pete Townsend's windmill. Well, I think that when you pick up a guitar, I don't know if you've ever picked up a. Well, I bet you have. But you you just have your own feel to it start off with a sort of right. feel don't you the way you play it when i play a guitar it's always the same i'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of my it's how i play it it's your and yeah i think i think he developed something which was very aggressive right uh, and upbeat stuff you know when coming on the when, i don't know what the guitarists call it when their hands go up rather than down the, so uh, it's most of it's but it's all done with the fingers right it's amazing how he plays. Okay. And he, he played, what does he play, a Strat? No, Telecaster. Yeah, a Telecaster. Telecaster. Yeah. Black and red one. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's weird that I remember the model of guitar that he plays as well. Yeah, That's well, how yeah, you know well, someone's a bit are. iconic, That's isn't right, it? yeah, definitely. What guitar do you play? I don't know that much about guitars, to be play? honest, but what's your, what was your, your signature uh, well, guitar? Well, I, d- I, I don't play guitar, I play piano. Ah. Yeah. 
I thought you played a bit of guitar as well. I thought I've not seen you play I've done, some I've guitar done a few on Facebook. Things. Yeah, I do. I right. do that from home on my acoustic, right? Or even on my little. I got a sort of Telecaster, right? Um, Thank God, because I had a memory yeah. of you playing guitar, yeah, watching you yeah. play guitar. I do. Yeah, I do that when when I'm getting a bit. When I was getting a bit, um, you know, boxed in with the pandemic thing and thinking I didn't know anybody, I got a. <laughs> gotta got to talk to somebody with a song. Yeah, yeah. What? How? How did you deal with the in the lockdown stuff? What? What? What, what did you get up to? Well, did you first write your poetry. Is it comes what? back to be. It comes back to what I'm like as a person. Right. Like we all were as people when that arrived. Some people it was hell to be cut off, mm. but some people said, "I'm going to have some of this. Yeah. I, won't, I, I don't have to go out there. I don't have to do this." I'm being told to stay in yeah. or go for walks in the countryside. Yeah. And that was right up my street. So I loved that in the first instance. And I thought, well, a couple of months of this was all right. Mm. Walking every day around the lanes, around the, the Froome, lovely lanes around here. Mm. And, um, and coming back and playing the guitar and playing my piano, writing a few songs with my little Logic studio at home, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I, I liked it, except my girlfriend lives in Bath. Mm. And so we weren't able to see each other. Ah. It was difficult, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was the difficulty. And, um, yeah, and I, I didn't see my daughters so much, you know. That was not so good, my grandkids. Yeah. But I'm, I'm all right now. I'm quite, I'm quite all right now about it. What's the, um, what's the Pete Gage grandfather like compared to the Pete Gage father do you see there's well, a, is there any part of your your being a grandfather where you think oh maybe i didn't get that right first time around because yeah, of yeah. rock and roll or you know where we were in life at no that time? something happened as a grand, as a father um it's a long story but i won't go into it too deeply right. but my first wife emigrated with my kids my two two kids from my first marriage right to Australia when oh. they were nine and seven. Okay. So my relationship with them is different to my relationship with my second marriage. Yeah. Two girls, one of whom lives in Froome, one in Chippenham. And um, in that second marriage, I said, I'm not going to let this one fail, you know, bang, yeah. bang, bang. I'm going to be a good dad and all that. But the music kept seeping into my <laughs> consciousness. Yeah. And in the house, I had a little room, <laughs> which is all mine. Yeah. You can come in, girls, but, you know, I might be working on something. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was like that. But so they, they it was three, three, it was my wife and two girls. So uh, they, they, they loved the fact that I'd done all I did. Yeah. But uh, the grandkids, well, they're lovely. I love them, but I'm not. I'm not in any way um, authoritarian anywhere. Never was with my kids either. Right. Neither was my wife, my second wife. Yeah. I was with her for twenty years, and um, we weren't authoritarian, but we weren't loose. We weren't like you can do what you want. Yeah, yeah. But we were kind of. Um, we didn't judge them much, you know. Yeah. We didn't say you've got to eat all that up, or you can't get down from the table. Yeah. I used to hate that in parents. And uh, maybe because I, I had a bit of that myself, <laughs> from <Right>. my dad. <laughs> but you also said that your parents were quite 
accepting of you artistically, I they guess. Were, were yeah, they, they were, yeah, they were. Were they um, musical? Or My dad was a drummer. Ah. He was a drummer before the Second World War. He was a dance band drummer. Okay. They were, must have been rare back then as well. Well, no, well they weren't as rare as all that. They, they okay. would, there'd be weekend dances in town halls, Chelsea right. Town Halls, his sort of place where he would hang out. And there was a pub opposite called the Nelson. I don't know if you know Kings Road, Chelsea, but... There's a, that's where they all hung out in the Nelson. My mum used to tell me the stories. And she was from Bethnal Green, the other side of London, mm. Cockney End, you know. Mm. And she wanted to better herself with this chap who lived in um, Chelsea. Right. <laughs> who was a drummer as well. But she was a bit of a tourist, was she? <laughs> <laughs> she, she was. And, and he used to walk her home, apparently. Of course, oh, it's a romantic story from my mum who sadly passed away 20 years ago now, but I still think a lot about her. I do like a good romantic story. Yeah? Yeah. And I, th- I think, because we, I mean, you battle, don't you, with like the false Hollywood romantic stories. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think we all, we're all looking for a Hollywood love story, aren't we? And I don't <laughs> I think, think they so, really yeah. exist, do they? But I, I do... Well, we try to push for them, I think. Oh, I do. Yeah. Never, never really comes off. But I do like those old, those old stories where it's real. You know what I mean? And it, and it worked. And yeah, it's like you know, yeah. like I remember my, I, I only heard this story at my grandfather's funeral. Actually, is that when he met my grandmother at one of these dance things? She'd obviously gone on a bicycle, and he had his car. Yeah. And uh, first night he met her, he was like, "Right, okay, I'm going to take you home." Puts his, puts her bike in the car, and and um, and drives her home. Do you know what I mean? It's, it, yeah. it's kind of like he, yeah. he knew. What he had to do in that moment, do you right, know what I mean? And there's okay, a kind of yeah, like a chivalry, yeah, yeah. And, and like she was a war evacuee, and he was like right, a West Country yeah. boy, and there's something so in that. So they would that's... be about the same age as my parents. In fact, your grandparents, maybe. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, probably. Yeah, my grandma was like eighty-four, five. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, mine would be mine would be a bit older than that. Right. My parents would have been about hundred now, hundred and two or something. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah old school romance um yeah. i want to talk a bit more i want to hear some of this poetry but before we do that I, when i was looking through your book um some really beautiful mandelas oh mandalas mandalas yeah. sorry on yeah. every on every mandalas nelson mandela free <laughs> nelson Man- uh, mandala. Oh, free nelson um, mandala. <laughs> um oh. tell me about Mandalas. Well, mandalas are, are uh, they come from um, originally from the Buddhist religion right. in Tibet, Tibetan Buddhism, as opposed to the kind of Chinese Buddhism. Because the Chinese Buddha is a fat man laughing with a big belly mm. like out like that, and um, the the Tibetan Buddha is a, a kind of almost feminine creature with a lot of hair sort of androgynous maybe well no they just look it, i always felt i've got a couple of effigies of um the buddha in my in my house and the, the, it just looks like a girl sometimes right okay <laughs> uh, but i i kind of took to him yeah <laughs> you, but these there's, these like are a, there's a grace to it if you if you compare it to um a, a church a Christian church, and mm. there might be well, there might be a um, something hanging in the church which which has Jesus on it, maybe or something. Mm. Um, these are just um, symbols of of um, 
life starting in the center, uh-huh. you in the center. Yeah. And there's all these avenues out to the big world. And this has just become stylized, westernized by me right. and, and many others who do mandalas. Right. Flowery sort of mandalas, you know. Everybody doodles. And mm. I was a bit of a doodler on the well, phone. These are a bit more than doodles, aren't they? Well, yeah, there's a bit, a bit more sort of interesting. So, oh, are these made digitally then? On, do you say on your No, phone? no, 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 I paint them. Oh, you paint okay. So you're yeah. using the... Because um, I remember when I was a kid, I had like a set where you'd have like these plastic things oh and, spirograph yeah yeah and yeah. you put your pen in and and go all around yeah the thing that's and, that's, and you, that's quite nice isn't it yeah and you kind of end up with something a bit like that a bit like that well yeah no what i've done there is i've i've got um when i was on tour with the field i used to go to bookshops and all that in france i came across this massive great book mm. this big and it had mandalas in it. Like, like a front this. door. Yeah. Right. And I, I just bought it and I went, wow, these are great. But they always had Buddhist effigies, you know, uh, iconography, the Buddha, and different different sort of Buddhas and different, you know, lamas, you know, sort of monks and this and our famous mm. monks from years and years ago. And they'd be all dotted around in, in, in the Tibetan um, um, mandala. And um, I just liked them, and I said, well, I'm going to copy them. Instead of always doodling and getting nowhere and chucking the paper away, I'm going to actually do something here. Right. And it was when I turned about, yeah, whilst I was with the feel-goods, I did it. Um, But I also wrote poems whilst I was doing it. Right. Whilst I was with the feel-goods. So these, what what year did you leave the feel-goods? 99. 99. So, so the poems that are in the book that you've just released. Yeah. How old are they? Are they, are they some of them 20 years one old? One of them's some from of them last Well, one of them's months? from 1979. Wow. That's the earliest. Okay. But I wrote poems from the age of um, 18, well, before 18, but proper poems, are what I call proper poems, from the age of 18 or something. What's so, a proper poem? Well, a poem which wasn't wasn't just um, um, throwaway wor- words, which weren't sort of in any way kind of thought about. I just go, I feel feel bad, blah 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 blah. You know, poem. I, I wanted to make a structure of some right. sort of structure to it that, that felt it, a bit it, more it, reminiscent of some of the more famous poets. Or that's well, like... yeah, I was already enamoured with one poet in particular right. called Alan Rook. Okay, who I, who I met not met, but found in a school library book. Mm. And he, he's writing a poem. I'm, I was bunking off a lesson from school. I remember it distinctly. <laughs> I was in the school library. Yeah. Battersea it was, Water Singens. And I've gone, wow, I like this one. Everyone has a blemish. Uh, what was it? No one is perfection. No, not one. Everyone has a blemish. And I thought, oh, hi. Right. I like that. That's me. It's supposed to, right. Yeah, that's me. And what's all this about? And it was by a bloke called Alan Rook. Right. Who's not a very famous poet at all, but it meant a lot to me. Okay. That's quite short, isn't it? Well, it wasn't the whole... There's a lot oh, more you just to picked the, the thing. Because I've read some poetry and I'm like, that's four lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get... Or was, of, was that called a haiku? Haiku, yeah. yeah. I've got to admit, I like some poetry. Yeah. When I see stuff I like, yeah. I know it's good. Yeah. Um, but I have a lot of ignorance of poetry in terms yeah, of like yeah. how you structure it, 
what types. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's genres of poetry yeah. um, and, and different styles and things yeah. like that. And sometimes I read a poem and I think, oh, this is really like a really satisfying rhyme yeah, or right, a really okay. lovely bit. Yeah. And then there's a line in there and I'm like, that just what? sounds odd now. Like, yeah, yeah. There's something about poetry that I need to dive into a bit more. Well, yeah. Um, to just to, to appreciate the whole art. Okay, I'm sure there's a lot, yeah. lot of knowledge missing. And well, if if you if you read like more recent poets like Ted Hughes, this guy who's on the radio, Simon Armitage, Seamus Heaney, um, kind of 20th century poets. Mm. Well, 21st century now. Although Ted Hughes died in the 20th century. They're, they're, um, they're men, yeah. You know, there's a lot of women as well. Right. There's a lot of women poets. Yeah, I don't. God, I'm very conscious of this. Okay. You're not going to get cancelled, Pete. <laughs> no, we won't <laughs> let that happen. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Anyway, all I'm saying is that po- poetry is just an expression. I found a way of expressing myself to myself. If I had a feeling which was confusing or which I was responding to, which I wanted to understand, I would write it down. Mm. And I did a lot of writing down in a journal. I think we all do, don't we? Try and make sense of things. Mm. Write it down, you know. So and so was like this, you know. Don't didn't like that, and I liked that, and I didn't like that. So you know, writing words down just to get it out of yourself and be able to read it back and say yeah that's how I felt then in 1970 you know and that's what it was for me and if I feel something strongly like when I saw a lot of that camera work on the on the news reels of the Syrian problem mm. I was it, that affects me you know right. I'm a bit of an emotional bloke right and I, it really affected me and uh, I cried watching the telly once mm. And uh, I, th- I just wanted to write that down. Yeah. You know, suddenly I wept and there's a poem started. Suddenly, I And that, what it did, it resonated with, I've always felt this, um, war and countries at war, yeah. you know, is not much, not far removed from just two people at war. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like power uh, yeah i've got to win this argument i've got to win i've got to you know and it, and and i think that's why i was emotional about seeing these you know people suffering innocent people suffering yeah. because there's kind of some war going on which is exactly what was happening and still is in other places all the time mm. so um that was one of the poems i wrote in the book actually right shall i fish out yeah go for it Absolutely. I've got to find it now. <laughs> I did want to ask you as well. I mean, maybe it's maybe um, it's too much of a distracting question for while you're finding go, that. No, but go on. When you're writing a song, yeah. When you've come to the end of that song, yeah, I'm listening. How how do you go? Okay, that's a poem and that's a song. Yeah. Because they're so similar, aren't they? I suppose with a song, you're like, okay, I've written that to be a bridge or yeah. a verse or yeah. a chorus. I've, but, written, I've written a lot of it to sound cool. Right. You know, some of it has got to sound, you know. So the songs are, are, are made to yeah to purpose. Yeah, a poem has to. A poem for me 
has to um, exp- has to clearly, exp- well, not necessarily clearly, but express what I, wh- how I was feeling uh, in response to a given situation or mm. um, or, or, a f- or a given feeling that I might have of loss or love or being with someone or, right. or a beautiful day or something, you know. Yeah. So uh, responding to something in my vision or in my consciousness and being able to put it down on paper yeah. and be able to read it as a, as a little nugget. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you try you're trying to get you're trying to use put particular words in an order that together bring bring into focus yourself in a way so that you can clearly see what you're uh, yeah, experiencing. Or I, the would root just, of what I would you're just take the word trying. it's not even trying I'm not aiming to do anything. It ends right. up being like that. Right. It ends up being me expressing myself. Can it, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. And do and do you ever come back to a poem a week later and you go, "I thought I knew what that was. It's not that." Uh, yeah, this is what it is. Oh, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Get, oh, well, wow. That sounds like that's your experience. Uh, Maybe I don't know. Yeah, possibly somewhere. I, 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 I do, I do um, correct things, and I go back to a poem, and if I don't like a word or. Whatever, or some way I've, exp- I've expressed something, or it's not in rhythm uh, I wanted. I, I, that's not in rhythm, bro. That's not the rhythm I want there. Yeah. I will sort of, if I can, cut out a word or a syllable. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you ever find that you're looking at it and you go, this is 90% done, <laughs> but there's some, but, but there's a, like, you know what you're trying to say, you just haven't figured out quite how to express it so maybe you've got a a, well, a part of the poem which is it basically says what you want it to say but it's almost like a holding well yeah holding i might thing. do that what i what i'll do is i'll carry on i'll carry on with the same th- thought or the same feeling and keep it going and then i might cut something out which was unnecessary or which made it uglier or something yeah. So I would carry on until I felt I'd finished, and I would have to round it off with a kind of a, a some kind of statement, right? Some kind of thing which makes, which will make the listener or the reader mm. go, "Oh, that's the end." Right. Uh, so you're looking for that that definite. So you're I, looking to I, punctuate the I end. I am. Right. I am. Yeah. Okay. I'm just. I'm just looking for that one. Suddenly, I wept because whilst yeah, we're on, no the, worries. Well, I've nearly got it. Page forty-one. Ah, here it is. Here is the very poem. Sudden, shall I? Shall I just read it? Go for it. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. I'm all in. S- suddenly, I wept at the horror of war, the war of my childhood, and the final twist of the knife that till now only tickled my throat. Now comes the rush of the blood from the heart to the head and the eyes of a wounded man. Death spills from the swirling carnage. The perpetrators cheer in the tears and the blood while the dying pierce the pungent air with their screams and the curled claws of the winged scavengers tug on the limbs of children. A crooked beak sunk deep into the flesh. 
At home we call them brave, praising these men whilst choking on our lies, looking for death in our heroes, like the vulture looking for meat from their prey, to glide on again to the next battlefield. Suddenly I wept as the severed head of a last dead image rolled to a halt in the bloodied gutter of my war. I wept for the loss of the years I had struggled to fill with vain explanations. I wept with the mothers of men like me and share in the grief for their long-lost cause and I stand on the graves of their silent sons. That was that was dark. Yeah, it's dark. I, I, yeah. I enjoyed that. I like dark. <laughs> I, I am dark. <laughs> good. I like dark. That's I find right. a great... The uh, expression of dark is all right. Yeah. It's got to be expressed. Yeah. I, when I'm going for a poetry or song, yeah. the, the stuff that I find the most powerful is always kind of dark or macabre or, um, yeah, like, mm. like that, basically. That sort of... Well, yeah. I, I like to get... Um, i, I got to recent that's fairly recent that's you know last four four or five years or something yeah i'm very conscious of my mother in my life now. right um when she died i was quite sort of sad but i wasn't as sad as i became as the years have gone by in the 20 years since she died kind of well i see her now i can understand her oh. really it's lovely really so she's become a fully formed yeah. Human being independent of being your mother, in a way. Yeah, so you kind of oh, see that yeah. you see that she's she was just a a, a vulnerable um, creature like we all are, just well, trying no, to she live was, their she life. She was a bit of a nuisance. She was my mum, you know. Yeah. Get yeah, off, but... mum, you know. <laughs> just give me another fiver, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I and never, but she stayed there the whole time, right. And she she stayed the whole time, and she was doing it every time I went there. Soon as I went there, nice cup of tea, Pete. You know, yeah. have a banana. You know, all this. And I said, Mum, you know, just let me get in. And and I feel I feel I wronged her by being like that. I wasn't doing wrong. I was just kind of trying to keep my so called individuality, which mm. none of us have got in the end. I don't think. Oh. <laughs> We that's die that's the same. strong. <laughs> uh, but then when, when she was dying in a hospital bed and she wasn't eating much in the, bed, in, in the hospital, and she said, I said, what do you fancy? And I think it's ice cream. So I went to a shop across the road from Kingston Hospital where she was. I went and got a couple of tubs of ice cream. And for the first time in my life, I was able to feed her. I was feeding her rather than her feeding me. Yeah. And I was deeply moved by that. Because you and experienced she, that same devotion and love. It was the other love. way around, yeah. yeah you'd, you'd switched, yeah, exactly. traded she places. She opened her mouth and let me put the right. ice cream. And it was kind of sad, you know, to see this very strong woman. Hmm. You know, am I dying? She would say, you know, and it was very deep for me. It really, really got to me in my gut yeah and uh so you know and i'm very conscious of it now yeah. 20 years later and i think that's because i'm now older right i almost said old well you know i'm getting that way there's a there's a full thatch there <laughs> that's gonna see you well but i'm kind of identifying with what it might have felt like to to, to be you know 
um, whatever, not quite so young. <laughs> I know what you say. You, I don't want to. I don't want to be like oh, you're facing your own mortality. Is well, it's the all right. marching of time <laughs> continues on. Do you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. Know, and there's nothing you can do. The is an existential element to it, isn't there? I guess. Um, uh, yeah. And it's weird because I think people think that that like grief like that is something that for the first few months feels a bit shit and lonely and empty. Yeah. And then um, then you just kind of get over it because yeah. everyone dies and everyone expects to bury yeah. their parents, well, right? yeah. It depends on if you have that um, ability, strength, as it were, to, mm. to let it go, to let the person go. Right. Um, which is what I thought I did, but I don't think I did. I think I'm letting her go now. Right. You know okay. I mean? how, how so? It's in like so. You tried to hold on to a piece of her within you. Well, for I, those just, years I, and... I just realised how valuable she was to me. I think I didn't realise what mothers go through mm. until I saw my daughters. I didn't see my um, I didn't see my Australian girls do it because they were over in Australia. But when I saw my English girls, as I call them, I've got mm. two of each. Um, when I saw them becoming mothers, I thought, oh my God, they're my girls. They're working really hard to be to to bring this child into the, you know, my grandchild yeah. into the world, and to and to then to nurture the child. And I, I really got very conscious of that when my own kids had kids, and then I got very conscious of, you know, and that's only happened in the last twenty years. Yeah. It's fascinating. Does it make sense? Yes, it does make sense. And I and and I wonder how much of this is instinct as well. How much of this is instinctual and how much of it is is being an open individual? Because you've clearly since day dot been very open with yourself and honest with yourself about how you feel. I think you've got to be open. Well, I've got to be open and some people can't be open. It's too painful. My life hasn't been easy Mm. because of my openness it's kind of it's driven me mad sometimes you know yeah. made me quite sort of not psycho touch wood i was never psychotic but i right. was pretty bloody confused right um because i felt so in touch with everything like you know being on a trip but you know acid trip i mean you yeah. know it's yeah. like whoa it's, it's like too much for me you know right because you you your doors of perception had already been open somewhere well they were right. yeah, yeah i think they were and um yeah well i was just open to things and just letting them come in and it was sometimes it was overwhelming yeah yeah like everything just piling through the same door yeah do you want to stay on me mother's thing or should yeah. i move to- uh, go wherever you would like whatever you're feeling well i haven't read this poem since the book's come out so i think i would, I, yeah. I would like to this i hear my mother's voice it's it. called uh, I Hear My Mother's Voice, page 87. I've got to find it on me. Little. Okay. Hey, if you ever need to do an audio book or you need to, um, you need to recite these yeah. poems in audio form, um, the super producer Harry Williams over there yeah. is, your, is your guy. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I would love to, because, you, because your voice is so good, and I'm sure you've heard this, you know, but it's really, it really is different to hear it from oh, the voice from, of the man as yeah, it were yeah i think yeah. i think i like to hear the poetry come from the from from the author yeah. because it it will, it will express the emotion it's intended 
it'll have the the cadences and the rhythms that it was meant to have. Yeah. Um, and I do find, I find that to be far more um, engaging and uh, emotional. I guess. Thank you. I take that as a compliment. Oh, I do so. Right. Oh, this is lovely. Yeah, this is quite nice. This isn't dark. Okay. I hear my mother's voice in the distant forest of experience. She tells me to forgive myself whilst the ones I love move on. There's a heat today that I recognise... Oh, I should have explained something before this. Right. I was out in Australia only only 20, well, 20 years ago when she was started to get ill. And uh, my sister phoned me up and said, you better come home. Yeah, her mum's not going to last much. So you, you were in Australia when your mum was ill and you came yeah, home? Yeah, I from, came home. Right. I hear my mother's voice in the distant forest of experience. She tells me to forgive myself whilst the ones I love move on. There's a heat today that I recognise from once before when walking in sandals with the voice of my sister in my ear reminding me of our mother's decline. She left too soon to find release from the pain and heartache she endured. But now she was free, telling me, yes, here on earth we suffer and that beyond lies our freedom from that suffering. Mother of all my views and aspirations, you cleanse me now. I never thought I would reach you again, never to tell you how much you meant. But now I can say farewell, dear mother, here in the shade of my peaceful age. I just came to catch you in the fleeting breeze that teased me away from the stifling heat. Let's unpack that. Okay. The, the bit that struck me first of all in in the in the beginning was I thought when, you were going to cry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, it's moving. Yeah, yeah I've, no, I, I was definitely in the zone there. What was, um, what was the bit you the were bit, referring to? It was the moving on bit. Who now move? Ah, uh, uh, right. The, she tells it, me to forgive myself whilst the ones I love move on. What that, is that? that? Is that refers, your daughters having children and starting their own? their own life in that regard well they are the they are some of the ones i love or right. have loved but i i feel if someone's gonna leave me it's my fault and my mum's telling me to forgive myself it's not your fault whilst the ones i love move on so right. it's like if people leave me yeah. if, if if um if a woman leaves me mm-hmm. or a friend leaves me or time just me or people die or something mm-hmm. you know it's not my fault and um and i must forgive myself if i feel i haven't fulfilled myself in my relationship with the ones i love if my love hasn't been true you know yes because i doubt i sometimes doubt my my genuineness Sometimes right. I have to check it. It's not that I doubt it. I have to check it, make sure I'm being genuine. Okay. You know what I, mean? I I can't. I know. A yes, sort of. So you have to make sure that your intentions are correct. Is that what you're saying? That, that, that well, like, I want to be sure. Yeah, you're it's, checking it's about because, self-awareness. I just yeah. want to be aware of how I'm functioning and being mindful. In, uh, yeah, and yeah, being yeah. mindful in relation to others. 
you know, I'm wanting to be respectful to them, but I may not be because I might say something which is which is actually coming from me because I feel a need to say it, but it might be something which is going to harm somebody or hurt somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I would beat myself up a bit in the past about things like that. Oh, God, why did I do that to that bloke? Why did I tell him to fuck off? Yeah. You know, when I actually really liked the guy as well, you know, and he wasn't doing anything malicious, really. He was just telling me what a prat I was, you know. Right. Or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a defense. There's a, yeah. yes, there can be some defense mechanisms so, there. So my mother was saying, you know, forgive you. You know, I, it was a fantasy, really. The poem was a bit of a fantasy. Yeah. Because I was fantasizing that she was telling me to forgive myself if I feel I've done wrong. In a way, I was just forgiving myself by writing the poem. Well, I was going to say that. Do you do, do you feel that your mother needs to be the vessel for that forgiveness? She because now, no. But right. The, but the poem sounded nice, and and I wanted to give my mum some credence. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's very again, it's it's a romantic vision, isn't it? That it's that it's that no, but that maybe that's the side of you know our mothers that are in us. You know, mm. that you know because although you know we're both men, you know we still have a part of our mother in us, and, yeah. and a part of that that mothering or um, matriarch, you know. That that nature, well, that um, feminine side, you mean? Right, yeah. yeah there's some, yeah, yeah they're, they're in us. So perhaps it's perhaps it's just tapping into that element of yourself uh, and needing that part to to be the the leading. I think role that's what it is. Yeah, I, I've never shied away from that side of myself, that sort of soft side. Mm. I know it's there, and um, I've even embraced it because i was learning about that in yeah my bits of study on psychology which i was i was a bit of a counselor in uh, you know in the world of addiction okay yeah Tell I, was me about a, that. I was addictions counselor for many many years in um clouds house no clouds house no so no. it's a rehab center right and then i'm then i moved on to other um freelance counseling and and so I was always. I think I think people should be given the freedom to feel their men, especially should be yeah. given the freedom to to, to 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 given the okay to say it's okay to be vulnerable, mm. uh, soft, feminine, even. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I but, agree. We've got estrogen in us as well as testosterone, apparently. And that's the physicality of it. But we also feel things. Mm. And if if we don't, you know, you've only got to look at um, a boxer at the end of his fight when he wins. He can sometimes break down with excitement and tears. You know, that's his feminine coming out sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah. I don't you think? Saying. Yeah. I, it's, I remember, like, not understanding the vulnerability of strength thing. Mm. I remember, um, like, not getting it. Like, yeah. oh, well, no, it's weakness. No, yeah. it's like, no, 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 no. Be, being the vun, being vulnerable, yeah, is the strength. Yeah, well, yeah, it takes the strength to show some weakness. Yeah, owning the vulnerability, our own vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's really it was a powerful yeah. lesson to learn, actually. 
Well, that's the funny thing with the poetry. You know, when you're a blues singer, yeah. inverted commas, you know, and you come out and you're, yeah, there he is, yeah. And then you, then you go bang, bang, bang. You know, you make the noise on the piano or the guitar or the drum, you know, and then you kind of come out with a, my voice is a bit kind of bluesy, a bit husky, a bit sort of... Gravelly. Gravelly, yeah. Yeah. Grovelly. <laughs> Gravelly. <laughs> that, that side of me is... Uh, the poetry of blues is something I want to look into. There's a lot of poetry in blues, but uh, a lot of it has to be... Is it, the expectation is that it's delivered with some punch, usually, some kind of, some kind of power, male, right. male or female power. And, um, yeah, what I was going to say was um, there's another side of me which the poetry reveals. If you see me in a gig, you'll go, wow, push, you know, like that. As, and any, any professional rock, blues or whatever kind of band is going to have some kind of impetus yeah. in it. Because of the volume and the and the energy of four people, uh-huh. six people, ten people playing together, and there's e- and, and there's there's ego in that as well. Oh yeah, there? all tied yeah. up in it. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of yeah, there's lots of that, and there's even sort of um, in-house fighting going on <laughs> in the music, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but with poetry, especially this book, when I, when he said, "Okay, I'll accept, I accept your poems, I'll I'll publish." them for you wow i've been trying all my life to get my poems published never have i ever succeeded i had rejection slip after a rejection slip for many years then i gave up trying and i just continued to write but i never tried right when i got this chance through a dear friend of ours you know as well chrissy morrison shout out shout out shout out to just released her new book called deja vu yeah that's right um, she's she gave me a signed copy of oh, um, a couple sweet. of days ago, and she wrote in there, "Best mayor ever" uh, in big um, capital letters. Oh, really sweet. you like that, didn't that you? Nice. Yeah, I can it see that. Bloody yeah. nice. Yeah. Oh, I can see you're a bit like me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Leo. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm an Aquarian. Damn. Yeah, anyway, she. Um, what was I saying about her anyway? <laughs> um, through her publisher, I believe. Yeah, that's she right. She also mentioned you the other day, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good. Well, anyway, that was that was the um, turning point. And I, but then I suddenly thought, oh my God, these poems reveal me. You know, they reveal a side to me which is soft and, oh, you know, right. So they've gone loving from personal... and missing things. You know, yeah. ooh, he misses things. You know, I was yeah. a bit worried that um, they weren't going to Doctor Doctor Feelgood was going to was was like I don't know if you've ever heard the band or seen it. Very punchy man, very, very, like, hard, hard band. Yeah. Hard rock and rollers, in a way. And these poems um, expose me. Right, yeah. And that's the vulnerability that you have to lean into, isn't it? But I guess there's a moment there, isn't there? Because you've gone... You've gone from writing these for yourself and yeah, then being very personal, yeah, yeah. private things. Or maybe not necessarily private if you've been trying to get them published, but mostly they've lived within your control, right? Yes. And so now they're on the page and they're printed out and everyone can... T- and also they can be interpreted however... Absolutely. Without me might, saying anything. No, it's not like that. Yeah, and there's no control over that, is there? No. Which is 
again, more vulnerability, well, isn't it? That's very insightful of you to say that because that is the case. Right. Uh, but uh, but now I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that. Um, I'm ready to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I've got nothing else to prove. Mm. I don't want to prove anything. I'm f- tired of tired of it. Yeah, I like that. I've had a, a couple of moments in my life where I've been like, "Do I have anything left to prove?" And I'm like, "I'm 29. Of course I do." There will be. Yeah, yeah. we just we just need to figure out where the next move is. Well, but. without sort of saying too much about it. I'm 75. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> and You're not. And it's come in my 70s. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Christ. So I'm quite pleased that I made it. You're wearing it well. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, I, was, I wasn't showing off road then. dog. I, wa- <laughs> I wasn't trying to show off then or, or, you know, I don't, I hate it when people, you know how old I am? I'm 75. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm 75 years old. You're really good at crossing the road, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well... You know, but um, some of my mates, like, you know, they rib me about it, really, when I go on. But, um... Just jealous. They're just <laughs> jealous, mate. Um, no. I, I do have a question about the counselling, actually. The, yeah. The, the addiction counselling. That, that is a... Because everything you've done that I've heard about in your life revolves around not making you sound selfish, but it revolves around you and your own your own um, ego and your own mm. expression of mm. yourself. Mm. So what, what was it that made you think, well, I now want to, well. to get into others and not mend them or... I guess there's an element of mending or fixing them. Were you looking for your own... Were you, were you trying to find something for yourself in that work? Well, you're obviously onto something there because in that work, I was giving back. Right. I was giving back something to people who I understood what it was like to be in an addictive situation, addicted to things. Right. Um, and um, I was able to... One of the doctrines of the um, fellowship meetings that are around is that, you know, the 12-step meetings that you get, AA, Narcotics Anonymous, and all the others, is, you know, step 12, you share it. You you impart your wisdom to others. Right. And you allow people to find recovery in themselves. And that's what I was doing with that counselling work. Right. Interesting. And do you... Are you are you happy to talk more about that, or is that something? Well, that I am. You, I'm just no, I'm just noticing the time. It's because it's a big story, you know. Right. But <clears throat> I did stop um, all all stimulating ingestions <laughs> um, twenty five years ago. Right. Yeah. So I haven't. So I've done well. Yeah. yeah. I know it feel, sounds like you should congratulate me. It's just a way of life now. It's just right. what I do. It's what I don't do. Right, <clears throat> and uh, because if I hadn't have stopped, I would have died. You know, yeah. I could feel it coming on, <laughs> and I thought, no, I'm not ready. Right, so um, stuff left to prove. Well, yeah, well, there was sort of like, uh, yeah, but it, it happened whilst I was with the band, and I went on for another two or three years in the band with sobriety and cleanness. Right. And um, that was amazing. That was an amazing learning thing for me. Especially when I was uh, doing a biker's um, festival in Switzerland. 
uh, the first time I went out without anything in me, as it, as it were. Right. I hope this is all right to go out on your side. And uh, I was out there pumping away with the nervous as hell because I was very conscious of my movements. I was conscious of myself. You know, right. God wonder what I look like here. And that wasn't something you were used to. No, no. I was used to just going out and going. So, so like what was your uh, what was your vice of choice before that? Well, was it a, a mixture? A, a mixture. Right. Let me just leave it at that. It All was right. a bit of it, a bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I follow. I turned round and there was this massive great screen there yeah. a massive great screen there yeah. and me on it you know <laughs> <laughs> and i saw myself moving i thought, you prat you whereas know. before you'd have been like yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. absolutely now you're like but then i feel uncomfortable but with that, that but well for for a while but when you get when you're earning a living and you're trying to feed a family still you carry on with the job yeah and i just got used to it and then I learned to be a performer. Right. You know, proper. So you went back to school in oh, a way. I did, definitely, yeah. definitely. And I feel I, I then got quite good at it. And that has carried on a bit. Now, I'm not blowing my own trumpet when I say I think that's what happened. Right. Well, I know that's what happened. Yeah. A lovely wasp has entered this yeah. The, uh, yeah. The chamber. Um that's thrown me off that wasp. What was I going to ask you? Uh, yes, I know. Were you? Do you ever look back at poetry from the times that you were not sober? Yeah. And you look at that oh. and you go, I don't like that. That's not me anymore. And well, you reject it. Or do you have No, the... I don't reject it. It was all part of me. Right, yeah. That's where I was going to go. It was all part of me. And some of it was um, a bit haywire, some of it. But I was reading a lot of Samuel Beckett. I don't know if you know Samuel Beckett. I've definitely heard the name. Yeah, well, he wrote a lot of really great stuff which had a, a rhythm and a, and a, and a, and a strangeness is not you know it, it was just he would describe things not as we would describe things trying to be articulate he would just sort of use simple words and two lines two lines two words in a line you know and and I did a lot of that for a while where I would just come out with something which was just off the top of my head and then come out with something else which was just off the top of my head without thinking, without thought. And I was I was kind of... It was like automatic writing. Sort of, yeah. yeah. I was looking for the no thought process. Oh, like a stream of consciousness. Yeah, exactly. Sub subconscious. Well, uh, yeah. stream of consciousness. Right. Yeah, that's, 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 that's where Samuel Beckett's music as i call it comes from right. um james joyce and samuel beckett two irish genie i <laughs> genie i have not heard that um genius maybe ever or a very long time genie i <laughs> ah, lovely i like that um thank you for sharing all these deep deep stories and yeah. bearing everything for me today i would really um love to hear uh a poem or two in closing if you have the um if you have a couple that you'd love to share yeah uh, the ones i quite like are when i was on the road with dr feelgood once i had stopped partying after gigs i um i'm just gonna call them up as, as i'm talking yeah i don't know where i go oh there we are um when I when I didn't party, I used to go back to my hotel room if yeah. we were abroad. We were abroad all the time, really. Yeah. 
And um, where's your main f- fan base? Which which is the country you say embraces the feel goods? The- Finland, Sweden, Spain. Um, yeah, those three. Okay, Switzerland. Lucky you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what I used to do was I used to miss my home quite a lot. And I would say, uh, here's one I read at my um, launch. The strange room I refer to is the hotel room. Beside me in this strange room, I have spread out my offerings, credentials, the homely devices to which I cling, all in their respective order, books to sense achievement in surrender, music to reinforce a spiritual path, a clock telling not so much the time as a useful mantra substitute, one that I can meditate upon. There are books that teach eradication, compassion and other musings of the Buddha, whilst reflections of my fellowship remind me of my dependencies and and our threat to to one another. Checking every page I turn, my eyes get weary and I raise them in despair. They rest upon two pictures that I carry, two jewels that shine more brightly than the rest. Offspring, gentle children turning into women, remind me there is love and care in my life. Though I'm alone within these walls, I hear their laughter. The daughters in the photographs are mine. I allow myself these ample consolations, my simple sighs, to soothe me and to heal. Once I'd weep as distance cut right through me, but self-pity has at long last had its day. That last line, I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's um. How did you feel when you wrote that? Do you remember? Well, I did used to miss them. I miss my kids, you see, and my wife. Funny enough. Well, <laughs> There's a moment there where I was like, hmm. <laughs> Sorry, Leslie. You wouldn't expect that I from rock and roll, that. would you? Um, I didn't mean that. Uh, <laughs> so that was one from a hotel room. Um, and, I, and I would write to her. <laughs> oh, God. There's another one which is uh, written at the similar time. But specifically that, that last line in that poem has had its day. When yeah. you wrote that, were you like, was there a moment where you were like, yeah? Well, I knew you that. You fucking nailed that one. I knew, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I knew that um, I had suffered from self-pity and I knew and the, I, I have to I always go back to my fellowship days, uh, right. which... My, my recovery, which continues to this day, one of the m- big things which you're invited to share is your acknowledgement of self-pity in, in our lives, that a lot of people who are addicted are feeling self-pity. Right. You know, poor me, you know, fuck it, I'll have a drink, I'll, mm. I'll use or whatever. Mm. And um, I knew, I was about two years into recovery, I knew that self-pity had had its day. So that was a reference to that. Yeah, you with me? Yeah, with you. All the way. Have we got time for another one? Absolutely. Go for it. 
it's again, it's to my wife. Punch the mic. <clears throat> it's to my wife with me um, out there in Sweden. Sadly rooted on that island, simple lifetime love now blooming. You at peace on our sofa sighing with your curling spine while I wander endlessly rooting nameless countries, none of mine. Crazed by day's repeated journeys, all in steady planned manoeuvre, unprotected by your murmur, in foreign pristine sheets I lie, you fulfilling sampled pleasures attending to our young pacify. I would never take them from you, neither worldly goods nor heaven. With inner strength you built a rhythm as a pulse to your life, now quite renewed. You upon that island finding separation bodes you well, as you relish green and pleasant Mother Nature's nurtured blessing. I am exiled, endless journey, far off lands, unimpressing. Abroad this daylight, eyes all-seeing, heart remorseful, distant being, open channels notwithstanding, you and individual I are soon repairing, breaking habits once that caused our love to sigh. I would never take it from you, quiet dignity rekindled, significantly you've stumbled upon your island as though intending so to do. Wow, and is this this is that about a, a reconciliation within a marriage? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. it was re- recognizing her actually um, as somebody who's got it together out right. there in, on that island, whilst I'm out here fulfilling a, a dream. Is this a dream? Right. You know, is this the dream I wanted to fulfill? Sometimes it was crap out on the road. Yeah, you know, I want to go home. I want to. I want to see. England. Yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds patriotic, but it was. Did you did you feel like you wanted to like be on that island with her and that you'd kind of marooned yourself Absolutely. on? Absolutely. Yeah. that's what the poem says. I'm I'm exiled. Yeah. It was exile self exile. Because I chose that. Um I wanted the thrill of uh, having a, a large audience go, Yeah, you know. I find that I think that's a re- that's a really that's that's a really interesting situation because you're chasing a selfish thing there, but mm. also, on the other hand of that, there's there's love, isn't there? And that's not selfish; it's selfless, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And you're definitely, and they're they're both raging inside you because you have to do this thing because that's who you are. Yeah, but you also love this woman, and that's selfless. And so they, they're a bit like that, aren't they? Yeah. They just th- don't quite always... Yeah. I think it can... I think it goes even deeper than that. I right. really do. I think that you can, um, you know, you can you can say it's you and you have to do it, but really it's it's fired by this need to be heard, which is a bit of a neurosis. Mm, mm. You know, some people don't need to be heard. Yeah. They can go about their business and be calm, serene, and happy within. Yeah. Procreating and providing a nice place for kids to grow or something, you yeah. know? 
but I had to go around the hard way, around the bit, around the lo- around the block. Big thank you to my guest this week, Pete Gage. We will leave links in the show notes description to his poetry book, to his music with Dr. Feelgood, and any other relevant links that we feel that you guys would like to explore. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That is a really, really, really great way of supporting this podcast without spending any money. And please, if you've got any Dr. Feelgood fans in your friends list, chuck it their way if you want to follow the giant pod on twitter and instagram it is at the giant pod you can follow my escapades on instagram at andy underscore tgp this podcast was produced by the prince of prose harry williams we will see you next week on the giant pod thank you very much <laughs>